The thoughts and opinions on Just Some Podcast are of the hosts and guests and do not represent the views of organizations that employ them or they volunteer for. They are also not responsible for spontaneous black holes or nuclear wars that may occur. You have been warned. You're listening to Just Some Podcasts, and here's your hosts, Ben and Tom. Welcome, everybody, to another exciting episode of Just Some Podcasts for Advanced Practitioners. This is Tom. And this is Ben. And tonight, we decided to do a fun episode. Not that the other episodes haven't been fun to do on the air, but this is one we decided to do just for enjoyment. Yeah, the last couple of episodes, we got a little deep into important topics. I mean, we covered concussions, which obviously is, is vital as well as autism. So we thought we wanted to mix it up and not just do you know heavy episode after heavy episode. So let's have a fun one. Tonight, we decided to do the episode on myths that have been popular in uh, the culture or that you can find popularized on Facebook or the internet. And boy, did we find a lot. Yes. uh, Thank you to some of the listeners that were able to tell us what they wanted to hear or things that they have heard and they wanted us to look into it. But really, it was, well, for lack of a better term, magnificent to see all the bullshit that you could possibly find on medical knowledge on the internet or Facebook. But before we get into that, Tom, how was your week, man? Pretty good. Pretty good. I got to be honest, um, again, we don't have any sponsors as of now, but uh, Castle Rock, new show on Hulu, completely has my attention. I mean, wow, it is just fantastic. I have not checked that out, but I don't have Hulu, so. Well, you need to start, you need to steal someone's password like everybody else does and get that because this show is just, it's, it's great. It's like a... It's like a Stephen King movie chopped up and mixed with other Stephen King movies and all put together in a blender, and it came out perfect. Why don't you just give me your password over the air, and I'll just censor the beep out. What do you think? I like where you're going with this, but <laughs> I, I don't think that would be the most uh, the, the the most educated move I've ever made in my life. All right, fine. I'll just get it from you offline. Oh, thank you very much. So did you do anything fun this week? Not really, no. It's been a busy busy week just tons of respiratory crap and just lots and lots of patients and so no it's not it's been a it's been a very trying week mentally it's not like you've seen 40 people a day or anything so i don't know what you're complaining about i know i don't know what um, slacker actually uh you just gave me gave me an idea perhaps that's gonna be a future episode how to educate your patients just because you coughed once doesn't mean you need to come into the doctor. It doesn't? Are you sure? No, actually, I'm not sure. But at the same time, uh, maybe maybe the episode would be better if it's uh, how to educate your patients on, no, you don't have strep throat. It's just a cold. That would be a good episode because, you know, you need to know the difference between viral and bacterial and educate your patients on that. So you should mark that down as a potential future episode. Yeah, yeah. I didn't mean any of that, by the way. I just meant, how do you tell people that are dead set on getting an antibiotic that they don't need an antibiotic? Antibiotic stewardship, Thomas. Antibiotic stewardship. Hey, I'm all about that. Before we uh, bury any more viruses or, or bacterial infections, let's get into stories that you may have missed. How's that sound? Well, I was thinking first, maybe people that are new to the broadcast or some of the people that have been listening and just haven't paid attention to the 50,000 other times we've said it, maybe you would like to enlighten them on the social media or ways they can contact us. Sounds like a great idea. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all at Just Some Podcast, or you can find us on the internet at www.justsomepodcast.com. Email admin at justsomepodcast.com. And as of right now, there is no fake medical information on our website. There you go. Boom. That's the way to set the tone right there. We are bullshit free. 100%.
part of the reason was in jest. We did want to have a fun episode. You know, the other ones were educational and we enjoyed doing the podcast. That's why we're doing it. However, we kind of just sat there and looked at each other after one of the episodes and said, man, we got to do something else for an episode. Like, oh, man, this is getting heavy. So we decided to do something that we thought would be both fun and educational for ourselves and for the people listening. So we decided to dive into the myths of the internet and Facebook or just word of mouth. But before we get into that, you want to do stories that we may have missed? You read my mind. I can tell. We were on the same wavelength. So, Tom, who doesn't like taking selfies, right? Every girl I know. Well, I found an interesting article that was, uh, let's see, it was published today. There have been over 250 people that have died from taking selfies in the last seven years. What do you think about that? I think that will teach them to drive in traffic slowly in the left lane in front of me. (laughs) Well, this article came from the Journal of Family Medicine and Primary Care, and uh, it was researchers at the All India Institute of, uh, Institute of Medical Sciences, and they determined that 259 people worldwide have died while taking a selfie, which, you know, that's got to be an interesting selfie if you died getting it done. The majority of them are men. Go figure. And, Damn it. Uh, <laughs> well, apparently we're more likely to take risk. <laughs> Who knew? Every insurance company in the world knew. Uh, drowning actually was the, the leading cause of selfie deaths. People being washed away by waves on the beaches or falling out of a boat. Okay, so part, and for the listeners at home, we purposely did not tell each other a lot of the stuff we looked up just so we could have this reaction with each other. Did you just tell me that people drowned taking selfies? Not only did they do that, but that was the leading cause of the death for the 259 people. Look, if you would have said cars, I would have like, that's what I was preparing for. Like, mentally, I was like, obviously, dipshit was driving probably slow in front of me in the left lane on the highway, taking selfies on themselves and the texting to each other. But there were people <laughs> that were that were able to figure out how to voluntarily drown themselves somehow while taking a selfie in water. Oh, but it gets better. Oh, geez. So you're talking about cars. Okay. That's number two. Well, it says transport. So, uh, you know, that could be vehicles the, the example that the article gave was trying to snap a quick picture in front of a moving train. Ooh. Holy God. <laughs> so just for the United States, do you want to guess what the leading cause of selfie selfie deaths in the united states was from oh well they're cleaning the gene pool clearly i i don't know falling off something high (laughs) that's number three worldwide jesus christ but for the united states deaths involving a firearm people accidentally shooting themselves while posing with guns he's speechless and so i would love to go back in time and say, hey, George, Tom, uh, Ben, guys signing the Constitution of the United States of America and everything that goes along with it, just so you know, people in the future are going to accidentally shoot themselves taking pictures. And let's just see how long the Second Amendment stays in the frickin' Constitution at this point. My God. I Right? I'm just- what? I just I, not to say that we're in the Second Amendment, and, and that's a whole political show that we're never going to get into. So, no, no, no. I'm pro Second Amendment. I'm just saying. Could you imagine telling someone that has the best intentions in the world of doing something? By the way, people are going to stupidly kill themselves using this provision. I just it blows my mind. So you know, I, I would just end this story with: you might want to educate your patients to selfie safely. Hashtag selfie safely. Hey, I like that. What do you think? Oh, look at that. I just, I see an episode hashtag right there. (laughs) Oh my God. Okay. Let's get, oh geez. Like my faith in humanity is shaken regularly, but that literally just did it. Like uh, what? If your faith in humanity is shaken from that, I suspect that this episode is not going to help it any. No, no, no. It was clearly shaken before this. I'm just saying that's like just more cement 
to weigh down my belief in what we're doing as a society in the world, but whatever. Anyways, let's get to this. Uh, let's get to the topics at hand. And uh, so I kind of did a light one first, just to kind of set the mood for why we're doing this. So are you ready? I am ready. Let's get into it. All right. So the first one is a common belief that you will lose, and this is applicable. So you are going to lose the majority of the heat on your body from your head in the wintertime. Uh, yeah, my mom told me that, and you had to wear the hat because that's where you lose all your, all your heat. Yeah. Yes, and you don't want to get sick, right? So, looking into this, it is completely false. What happened was, and the whole basis of this myth is that post Korean War, the United States Army said we got to make new uniforms. So post Korean War, so we're talking recent studies. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And, and and granted, all the evidence is based off this one study several decades ago, and it said, hey, we got to make these new uniforms, right? So let's find out what we need to protect. So the Army, and, and they were trying to do the right thing. They did it in the wrong way, as you'll see with this multiple examples of that throughout this episode. They took a bunch of guys out in the cold, and they measured where they were losing their heat, and they said, by God. Guess where, Ben? Guess where they were losing all their heat from? I'm going to guess head. That's right. They said, hey, these guys are losing all the heat from their head. Except for one little detail, Ben, is that was the only part of their body not covered during the test. Well, that would make sense then that that's why you're losing the heat. Yeah, the rest of their body was covered in wool and cotton, and yet their head had no cover. And people said, well, ergo, that must be where they're losing all their heat. We got to get some damn hats on these people. So we've worn hats for 50 years now, afraid of losing heat through our head because of this study. Primarily, yes. That is where the entire, if you look back to all the things where people started saying this, it coincides right about that time. So just giving you guys a quick example, you are going to see multiple times throughout this episode where we're talking about a story and the entire crux of the argument is based off one little fact, detail, study, etc., where any sort of scrutiny would blow it apart. Well, Tom, I you know we wanted to have the fun episode, so I wanted to add some fun sound effects to you know, get people in the mood. I think this one deserves our first sound effect. I figured, you know, if we're gonna do these true and false, we're gonna you know have to do it that way. So I'm I'm, I'm fixing to hit you with the false. You ready? Oh shit! <laughs> I can't wait to hear more of that throughout this whole episode. So it's well, uh, I suspect that we're going. To. Oh, yes, I suspect. So let's go ahead and get right into it. So the first one I'm going to talk about is something that I've seen multiple times on Facebook, and it is in order to prevent getting the flu, you need to put a thin layer of triple antibiotic ointment on a Q-tip and coat the inside of your nose with it. Say what? Yeah. So apparently someone knew Nana one time, or, or Gammy and Pappy, and they were in some... Somewhere, I don't know, nursing home, their house, who the hell, I don't care. So they were somewhere, and Gammy and Pappy told them, I don't get sick. And you know how I don't get sick? I put this shit right up my nose. And apparently that solved everything. But the problem being, technically, triple antibiotic ointment is for what, Tom? Um, last time I checked for bacteria. And what is influenza? <clears throat> I believe we're talking about a virus. So this would be kind of like that antibiotics don't work for viruses kind of thing, huh? What do you know? Circle of life. We come back around to it again. So I honestly wonder, because I, I I didn't research this one, but I wonder if there is, because lots of times we can find a seed of truth in, in all these, or at least where, it, you know, or something where it was misrepresented off of one essential statement. We do use Bactroban nasally for MRSA. So I wonder if there's not... Someone seen that and then went, oh, well, if that works for that, then it should work for the flu, too. That's exactly what I was going to say. And just to remind the, the, a lot of the listeners, we did not discuss a lot of this beforehand just so we could have a good time discussing it. But, yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say is I am sure 
somebody heard a doctor say, well, if you stick Bacterban up your nose, you know, we'll, we can fix, uh, fix up that staph infection. And somebody just went, well, by God, if uh, I just put some triple antibiotic up my nose, I'll, I'll cure all my common uh, colds and uh, flus. Or maybe they were just thinking that it's sticky. And so it's going like, <laughs> to catch, catch all the virus. Keep it there. Catch all the vi- catch all the virus. Don't worry about washing your hands because we're catching all the virus in your nose. It's, it's, <laughs> like, it's like a glue. It's nose glue. Nose glue. Well, uh, <laughs> what I, I think it's time to ring in a verdict on nose glue. So let's hear it. Oh shit! <laughs> all right, next one's on you. All right. This is one that one of the listeners uh, sent me and said, hey, is there any truth to this? <clears throat> the use of eucalyptus as a bug repellent. So like eucalyptus oil. So I did some research, come to find out, and I actually found this on Consumer Reports, which is a legitimate website, among other ones, but this is one of the ones I found it on. The combination of lemon and eucalyptus oil is as effective for bug repellent as DEET. And it showed that they could uh, repel... Uh, insects for at least seven hours just by using this oil. By no means do I want anyone to go out and tell themselves or their children that if they just spray lemon pledge on themselves, <laughs> that they can that they can go out camping or whatever stuff they want to do and just be like, "Look, I know I smell like a swifter, <laughs> but you're not going to get no bug bites on you." Now, damn it, Tom! I didn't say just lemon. It has to be lemon pledge with a eucalyptus leaf necklace. I'm telling you right now, you know, and I know someone somewhere is right now going lemon pledge. They said it fact, (laughs) but they actually do make all natural insect repellent and they sell it at most of the major, like I found it on Amazon. I found it at Walmart and it's just truly lemon oil and it's and uh, eucalyptus oil. So there are some things on the internet that's true. Well, and that's good to know. And to be completely fair, I'm not anti-natural uh, or, or simple, as it's going to clearly sound as we get later on in this show, I'm sure. But, you know, hey, if you got sensitive skin, this might be a good option for you. So, verdict? That's a fact. That's a fact, yeah. <laughs> I, hey, not probably going to hear that one a lot tonight, but hey, let's let's keep the... Let's keep that going if we can. So the next topic is uh, actually one, I think, one of the few ones that me and you had discussed or we said, oh, my God, have you heard this before? And Ben, we we both work ER, correct? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, we both we both work ER. I just want to make sure the, the fans know that because I'm about to say something that if you told me in the ER, I would just tell you to get out. And that is... No, literally, I'd be like, no, turn around and get out of my ER. <laughs> you are no longer allowed here to get out of my ER. Um, that you can use needles like acupuncture to stop an active stroke. Doesn't sound legit, does it? No. No, that, even on the face of it, doesn't really pass a lot of the common sense test. But it is one that get got shared a lot. Now, whenever it... Uh... Whenever it, I actually tried to find the original post. Um, it's been deleted from Facebook. Hooray. Shock, shocker. But the video, as of January of this, this year, had over 34 million views. Which means oh, 34 yeah. million people seen this. Yeah, and I'm sure none of them killed Grammy or Pappy. <laughs> <laughs> Two of this. They may not have killed them, but they may have uh, caused some serious residual damage. Yeah. Now Grammy and Pappy always walk to the left. So great, good, good God, good Jesus Christ. There, wow. <laughs> Do what? That I can't believe you went there. Wow. <laughs> oh, oh, uh, we're gonna be going there a lot. So here's one one of the one of the facts and and going over this when I was interviewing uh, one of the neurologists that was asked about this said not only does that not make sense and I'm paraphrasing here 
But not only does that not make sense, but the only way we could truly help someone that's having a stroke is, you know, active and uh, accurate and early diagnosis. I think we've covered early diagnosis before. And if you are wasting time poking them with a needle, it's going to be real hard to get them into the ER in a timely manner to get them treatment and care. Yeah, and the American Heart and uh, Stroke Association kind of agrees with you, Tom. Uh, there's no physiologic proof that this would work to prevent strokes. But, as I said with some of the other ones, they take a small snippet of a truth and kind of expound upon it. So I did some further research for you, Tom. I found a study that was done from the Journal of Traditional Chinese Medicine in 2005. Stop right there. Journal of Traditional Chinese Medicine? Yes. I, I think I have that on my coffee table, as a matter of fact. Well, that's where I read it at. Um, <laughs> however, there was a small study done that showed the bloodletting procedure of pricking the fingers in, in different points with needles. The 12 well points of the hand, actually, is the way it was worded. can improve consciousness of patients with brain injuries in small areas. Here's the caveat that got left out of that post that got shared 34 million views. This was three days post-stroke in the hospital. Three days post-stroke. This is not a prevention. Where's the board certification for traditional Chinese medicine? You show me that guy. I'll get that for the next episode. (laughs) Maybe he's got a Nobel Peace Prize Sudoku. You're just not going to let that go, are you? No, no. Until I get my Nobel Peace Prize, I'm not letting that go. So what you're telling me, Ben, is what they did is they said, hey, here's one little thing that's going to help, and let's just twist it into an entire thing that's going to possibly kill people. But it makes us go viral, and that's what we want. So, and I think I, I honestly think that's a lot of the reason some people share these half-truths is we live in a society where we live and die by social media sometimes, and by God, if I can get 50,000 shares on my post, then... I'm somebody for five minutes. Okay, valid point. But actually, and this is going to be harsh, if you are going to do that, then I'm okay with it taking you out of the gene pool. I'm just saying. I'm just, let's, yeah, that's the, stupidity is the natural chlorine of the gene pool. Well, and with this one in particular, this is potentially hurting people. This is potentially leaving stroke symptoms because instead of getting them to a stroke center or to an ER for fast treatment, I mean, hell, that's the acronym for strokes is fast. It's fast. Yeah. We're going to do this. So I got a verdict, Tom. I think we get, we agree on a verdict, right? I, I think we agree. Bullshit. <laughs> All right. So an ever popular myth that was easy to find um, and many variations, by the way, uh, that's maybe something else to point out is we are giving kind of a generalized topic, but there's literally hundreds of variations of each of these. But the one I'm about to, about to open up here, I've heard multiple times. I never believed it before. And after researching it, I sure as hell don't come any closer is if you put an onion and or other vegetables on your feet and sleep at night, it will make you, and here's where you can fill in the blank. It'll cure your cold. It'll take away your diabetes. I mean, there's all so many things. So basically what people are saying is if they put an Olive Garden salad (laughs) on their feet, that they won't be sick. Maybe they should just eat the goddamn salad. That would be a lot healthier than putting it in your socks. So there's no proof of any vegetable that I can put in my sock that's going to make me feel better. Correct. Or at least I was not able to find. So as you've pointed out, there's some specific minor half-truth that someone takes, and in order to make themselves feel cool or I don't know why. I Honestly, at this point, I don't know why somebody would cut an onion in half and put it on their feet. But... What they basically did is they said, hey, there are compounds that uh, are good for destroying bacteria, like uh, sulfur, a couple other things that they were talking about. And I'm, I don't if, if you're going to write me an angry email and say, sulfur doesn't do that, like, look, listen to what I'm trying to tell you, all right? 
some of these compounds that have been found possibly in onions have also possibly been shown to do things. And so somehow they have translated that into, if you put it up against your skin, it's like an osmosis filter. It's just going to suck the bad right out. Here's what I want you to do tomorrow. Here's what I want you to do for me tonight, Tom, when you go to bed. I want you to go to your kitchen, and I want you to get a can of cream corn, and I want you to pour it in your socks. <laughs> and I want to see if you feel better tomorrow. Cream corn. I think that's that's the caveat that we're missing. I can already hear my wife in the morning be like, why are there soggy haids anywhere near my body at this time in the morning? And I'd be like, hey, you? And then she'll slap me, but I'll be like, hey, you, I'm trying to heal myself naturally, and these golden niblets are taking away all the bad. And that's that's all I literally, I mean, honestly, at this point, I am laughing so hard, I kind of want to do it now. I'm going to, green beans in one sock, and golden niblets in the other, and, uh, yeah, and wife be damned, we're waking up. And we're gonna we're gonna just see what happens. And I'm gonna wake up feeling like a million bucks. And I'll be like, "Hey, you know why? Because I put cream corn in my socks." Yeah, but let's be honest. What's what's the version of this one, Tom? What do you think? Well, <laughs> um, <laughs> the, the 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 verdict I, I'm pretty sure is clear that if you're going down a produce aisle for antibacterial properties, you know what? Rocket. Okay, but the rest of us think. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much what the rest of us are going with. So, uh, next one's on you, Ben. So, this is actually one that I got tagged in about an hour before we started recording. And it was a Facebook post that said, Rosemary improves memory by 75%. And again, you know, you see these posts and it's like, why is it so vague? And so, I went and I did some research on it because I thought, hey, we'll check it out. There was a study done in the UK. And what they basically did was they had two groups of elderly people take exams to test cognitive function and they uh, told them that it was basically they were they were sampling a vitamin water to see if that improved it but what they were actually doing was infusing oil into two different rooms one was uh, lavender oil and one was rosemary oil come to find out that the people with rosemary oil scored significantly higher than those with the lavender oil and looking at the science behind it there are some compounds in rosemary oil that act, or that sorry, may act in the same way as drugs licensed to treat dementia, which cause an increase in the neurotransmitter called acetylcholine. So, again, not going to be, you know, a uh, groundbreaking, hey, we're going to stop grandma's dementia and Alzheimer's with some rosemary, but there may be something to this oil and its properties as far as improving memory. So the first thing I thought when I heard you talking about this is, one, isn't lavender for making you sleepy? I mean, isn't it like cheating? They they put the people to sleep, and then they gave them a cognitive test. I mean, I don't know. I, I really don't know a lot about essential oils, but I'm like, isn't that the sleepy stuff? I don't. So there was that. And then, two, I had this funny, like, little, like, mini movie scene in my head of, like, people in, like, the lavender headquarters, like, shaking their fists in the air, like, oh, I'll get you, Rosemary, and being all angry because uh, they got proved wrong. It's just kind of funny to me. Well, I, and I guess I misspoke. Let me go back on that. There was actually three rooms. There was a control room. Uh, there was the Rosemary room and the lavender room. So there was a, a control in, in the Rosemary room scored significantly better than the control room and the lavender scored significantly uh, decreased. But as you said, I mean, there are things out there that, you know, show that lavender can help with sleep and sedation and helps even in like baby lotion for whenever you're newborn, you rub them down with Johnson's and Johnson's lavender. Yeah. I, I just wanted to go, aha, when you said there was a control group, like I, I vindicated lavender for somebody. So, but you know, there, there, there may be, uh, maybe something to it. So You know what? And honestly, with all the things we do, and, and I pretty much every time I educate a patient when they don't want to hear something or they demand a medication, I'm like, hey, you know, there's reasons why we don't just give medication. If we can move towards substances like rosemary or lavender or anything like that, that will augment our ability to treat patients, I'm all for it. I say we do it. Let's Let's figure it out. So the verdict on rosemary 
improving uh, your cognitive function, possibly. That's a fact. Yeah, there's there's small studies showing it, so we're, we're, we're gonna we'll go more more on the uh, it's a fact versus it's bullshit at this point. Now you know maybe some more studies come out in a few years to show opposite, but that's where we're at currently. I like the little it could help you dot 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 possibly. <laughs> it's one study, you know. You, you hate to uh, you hate to go down that road of wearing a hat for fifty years because you're. You're, you lose all your heat through your head because of one study, and I'd hate to say, oh, well, Rosemary is going, you know, we're not going to have dementia in 50 years because we're all going to eat and smell rosemary. By the way, I am uh, watching a master class with Gordon Ramsay on cooking, and he just thinks rosemary is uh, an amazing herb. Just throwing that out there. Look at that man's memory. <laughs> like a stick. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I know this one is going to be, for lack of a more eloquent way to put this, it's going to cause possibly a stir with people. Essential oils being good for the treatment of cancer, uh, and, and it started off as particularly skin cancer, but through research, I was able to find multiple avenues or uh, ways that people are trying to input this as treatments for all sorts of cancer. So, Ben, have you heard anybody or read anything or seen anything like this before? I, I know there are a lot of um, snake oil websites, and my wife actually recently got into essential oils. So I'm going into it with an open mind. Uh, I do want to see some evidence behind it, and I think you and I have talked, and I've actually uh, had someone approach me personally and say, hey, they would like to be a guest on a show if we do an essential oils show. And to be clear, uh, one, I am perfectly open-minded about it in in, in totality, okay? In, in the overall scheme of things, I think essential oils has whether we want to or not force itself into the medical field, whether that's good or bad is, is someone's personal opinion. And if, if it's out there, you know, NPs and PAs are going to be dealing with it. So yeah, we should, we should cover it. But for me, the, the problem is when people are starting to substitute their belief as a factor science, and that's where the big red X has come through for me on this. So what research have you found in regards to the particularly cancer, since I know that's kind of what we wanted to, to hit on? So first of all, multiple studies, and, and I so many people have actually dealt with this, that if you go to any of the respected journals, Journal of Oncology, uh, anything dealing with this, they will talk about how they're, as you said before, a kernel of truth. You know, uh, patients on chemotherapy that do aromatherapy with certain essential oils tend to fare better. They have less nausea or they are feel less weak, etc. Unfortunately, <clears throat> and, and I want to try and leave it on a positive note that there are some things that are good about this. What I am going to end up focusing on, and I can feel the Tomness welling up inside me, Ben, is during the research on this, because I was like, surely, as we said before, there's always that one study, right? There's always that thing that's that the the start of the avalanche. F what I found, whew, I'm getting angry just thinking about it. What I found that upset me as much as the volume of people trying to force their way into desperate patients' hands by saying, oh, I can cure you with frankincense and myrrh. Beyond that was the multitude of websites that pose as legitimate cancer research and education websites that have the word cancer and or education combined in some forms i don't want anybody trying to sue us so i'm not going to mention anything particularly but it's not hard put in essential oils and cancer into your google and you will start finding them there are people right now trying to tell cancer patients that they represent universities, uh, research groups, journals, that if they rub uh, black pepper, I don't know what compound, black pepper on their skin cancer, they won't have melanoma. And it has gotten to the point where, seriously, 
somebody really needs to take a look at, and maybe there needs to be some kind of action on what you can call yourself and still be a website representing something because people are actually getting hurt. There's no way. And maybe we could put it up on the, the website or maybe we could put it on our Instagram. I've seen pictures of people on other Instagram accounts where they're the front end of their nose is eaten away because they had a cancer and they decided to treat it with all natural remedies. And now their, their nose is missing. And that's, you know, I, I want to get back to laughing and all that other stuff, but seriously, if, if you want to use essential oils or if you want to use it to augment treatment, that's great, whatever. But when you start substituting actual medical treatment with uh, citrus, whatever, you are negligent at, at best. You know, it sounds like a lot of these websites are preying on people that are most vulnerable. And that's what that's what got to me was... First of all, they're falsifying what they're doing. And again, what they did is is they said, okay, we have found this compound and name a compound. Like I said, there are so many studies out there or so many and, – and it's hard to verify what you're going to find out there on this. But what they did is they said, oh, well, this compound has been known to stop the mutation of cells in vitro, which they always leave out – of the main part of the website, but when you actually look into the study, and I'm making air quotes here right now, people, it says in vitro, this compound, which was once found in juniper, hell, I don't know, just name a plant, they'll find one. This has stopped cell mutation. And this website then spins it into, see, if you put on um, lavender, frankincense, and myrrh, it'll cure your cancer. And that's, that's a problem. And then somewhere on the website it says, you know, that these claims are not uh, don't have to be evaluated by the FDA because they're not actually a legitimate medical site or use. Exactly, and and so all those times that I know myself, I've said, why aren't we doing more to advance medicine? And you want to get mad at the FDA? Just realize that they also prevent you know, uh, certain things from happening. So maybe it's not always a bad organization. But before I, I just get all bogged down in this any further, I will just tell you, I was unable to find any legitimate journal, university, anywhere that said, yeah, just just rub some uh, oil on melanoma. And uh, we found good studies. Like I said, there's plenty of augmentation, like aromatherapy for patients that are going through chemo, but they were still going through chemo. Here's what I think we need to do as far as our, our verdict, Tom, and I uh, hope you're going to be okay with this. And I guess if not, I'll edit this out and then uh, we'll redo it again. So here's what I'm, <laughs> I'm going to say for potential use of improvement of symptoms, we'll go with this. That's a fact. For soul treatment and preying on these poor people who are just trying to salvage what's left of, of their life because they've been told they have cancer and I'm going to go with this one. Bullshit. I think we could both agree that that's possibly a, a good outcome right there. So here's another favorite of mine. And uh, I've actually had people talk to me about this drinking water right before bed can help prevent heart attack. You know, and see, and this is the thing is if you, when you see it online, you know, cause people share a bunch of stuff. I get that. I mean, I, hell I share stuff. So I'm not, I'm not dogging that, but just, just say it out, say it out loud again, Tom. People drinking water can prevent heart attacks. Now, don't you think before we even get into it, don't you think if that was a shred of truth in that, that the American heart association, the American stroke association, all these associations that are out there, to better your heart health would have mentioned it, I don't know, ever? Well, see, you left a, a key word, thinking. <laughs> so some of us are thinking, and the ones that are just uh, rote pressing reply or forward on this are not. That that would be my key aspect in, in this whole situation. So, yeah. Uh, so... I, I just want to point out, I'm pro. I'm pro drinking water. I, I've always been a pop drinker my whole life. Uh, I, and you know what? Maybe we need to revisit our diets at some point. Like give people an update from from that first episode. But I've drank more water. I feel better. It, it's all good, right? Like there's plenty of tangible and scientifically proven benefits to drinking water. Correct. Kidney function is improved. 
with increased water. Your, you know, dehydration. Obviously, you're not going to be dehydrated if you're drinking water. Weight loss. You can actually have weight loss with water because your water's your your water. How about your body is not trying to hoard its water because you're drinking enough water, and so you can actually lose. I mean, we're not talking like I'm going to wake up tomorrow and be a supermodel. There's lots of positive benefits to water. Stopping a heart attack or preventing a heart attack. Yeah, probably not one of them. Exactly, and I'm going to have to, uh, Sam. Sam, yeah, look over here, Sam. Sam, I want you to pay attention. I want you to double check this for me. If I drink eight ounces of water, or write it down. If you see me drink eight ounces of water, is that going to negate the two dozen buffalo wings I ate directly before that? I think Sam's going to give me a head shake on that one. That's probably not true, right, Ben? Yeah, we're yeah. Sam's vigorously shaking his head. No, yeah. <laughs> I just, I just want to tell people, as an ER nurse, I used to tell them, when I come in for my STEMI, I don't want anybody acting surprised because I didn't drink my eight ounces of water before I went to bed, all right? I've never, well, before the diet, I had real problem turning down chicken wings and pizza, okay? So let's face the facts here. Water cannot, by itself at least, prevent a heart attack. It certainly can't prevent it because you drank eight ounces before bed. In the post that I found that also had other information in it, it wasn't just the water. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, I'm tell- okay. Oh, oh God. <laughs> Do it. Say it. Most heart attacks occur in the day, generally between 6 a.m. and noon, which anybody who works ER knows that that's shit. <laughs> Having one during the night when the heart should be most at rest means that something unusual has happened. Yeah. A heart attack. <laughs> yes, lack of blood flow seems to always be a bad thing. Who knew ischemia could cause problems? And then it goes on to talk about, you know, you should uh, take aspirin at night because, you know, if your heart attack happens in the wee hours in the morning, the aspirin is going to be <laughs> the strongest in your system. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Note, there may be no chest pain. The majority of people, uh. you ready for this? The majority of people, according to this post, who had a heart attack during their sleep did not wake up. I wonder why. <laughs> but I'm like, but as ER providers and as ER former ER nurses, that's one of the questions that we ask is, did this pain wake you up? Yeah, well, okay, that may be a little more concerning than other chest pains. I don't know. Maybe they saw Grammy and Pappy having another spell, and then I poked them with some needles to find out what was going on. <laughs> So, so if you wake up from your sleep with chest pain, according to this post, you should dissolve two aspirins in your mouth, call 911, phone a neighbor, say heart attack, and that you've taken two aspirin. And then take a seat near the front door, but do not lie down. What? Hold on. So they didn't bother to tell them to unlock the door. That would be helpful to the paramedics. Second of all, can't. Does it ever explain why not to lie down? No, it just that's in all caps. Do not lay down. <laughs> well, the rest of this has been bullshit. Why start giving us some kernels of truth now? And here's the part that I love about these posts. And, and I think this is one of the here's here's a way you can educate your patients. Since we're you know, we're still trying to focus on on providers. If the post says a cardiologist or a neurologist or a a doctor or a provider, and they don't list who they are, it's probably not reputable enough for them to even... It's it's clearly bullshit. Or that cardiologist was just drunk at a party. <laughs> so you can't quote that guy. And the, and the post that I'm reading off of is actually from a fitness model and personal trainer. I'm not going to give the name because I'm not going to do any of that, but a personal trainer is giving information out like this. Don't lie down because that will prevent the the blood from. I honestly, I don't even know. I'm usually pretty good at making a you know bullshit story up, but even I'm like, wow, don't lie down. I'm I'm still trying to have trouble. That's like t- trying to say that uh, when a kid has tetralogy of flow, the reason they bring their knees to their chest is because now the blood's got less distance to go to the heart. <laughs> Sam, the fact checker, is laughing on that one. So- <laughs> So, Tom, let's do a final very water to prove. Oh, 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 hold on, hold on. So, in one of the studies, and again, I'm not mentioning names because I don't have the entire 
reference in front of me, so I don't want to go half truth on anybody. But the uh, cardiologist, hey, do you see what I just did there? A cardiologist, the cardiolo- yeah, great. I'm putting you out now. <laughs> a cardiologist in the study actually said. Um, Drinking a bunch of water like this is probably just going to make you wake up a bunch. And interrupted sleep is one of the uh, things that they're looking for for signs or preventable aspects of uh, myocardial infarction. So just sleep through the damn night and stop drinking so much water so you don't have to pee so much. So ready for final verdict? Yep. Oh, shit. So, uh, so Ben, I don't, I don't want to give out personal details because, well, I, I don't know if I like this crowd enough yet to to tell them personal details but it is safe to say that we are both family men correct yes and uh we both had to give the children baths i mean that's a woman's job but at some point oh. yeah i did that <laughs> yeah i did that i went controversy send the email to tom at admin at com. <laughs> i'm kidding i believe men need to be men and take care of their children as much as anybody else We've both given children baths. Yeah, we have. Absolutely. But. And, but, and, and we, as, especially as nurses, the family looks at us to know everything. And now that we're nurse practitioners, you know, now we definitely know everything. And when that kid has got a fever, we got to do something, right? Absolutely. So. Tylenol and ibuprofen, how about that? Yeah, could be. Or, you know what else would might just work just as well? What's that? Douse them in rubbing alcohol. Say it ain't so. What? Say say it isn't so. There are internet posts about a good way to relieve your baby's fever is to rub them down with rubbing alcohol. I mean, clearly, it's in the name, rubbing, so that's why you're supposed to use it on them. Well, Tom, let me educate you on this one just a little bit, okay? <laughs> that was an old wives' tale. Back from, uh, you remember the whole head on the hat, uh, losing all your, your heat back in the 50s? Yeah, same thing with the rubbing alcohol for fevers. So the the recommendation back then was you have a feverish child, you rub them down with a little rubbing alcohol, they feel cooler because, you know, it's evaporating off of the skin. Hey, we're helping them feel better. Are you? Well, right up until the point that you could potentially put them into a coma. You say that like it's a bad thing. Well, it probably is. I don't know. When that baby's been screaming about hour number two, coma's starting to look like an option. But for all of us sane parents, unlike Tom, <laughs> rubbing alcohol can be absorbed through the skin. It can be inhaled if applied topically, which can lead to alcohol poisoning. There have been several documented cases over the last 20 years of children going into comatose and and it being near fatal from using rubbing alcohol to cool the fever. The other thing that doesn't particularly help is you put the rubbing alcohol on them. It's evaporating, so it's helping peripherally. It's not doing anything centrally, but peripherally they're cooled off, so they start shivering. Shivering, as we know for hypothermia, is one of the body's mechanisms for that, so it's actually generating more heat. It's bad in multiple ways. I just laughed. In my head, I imagine some NICU nurse listening to this, and like in the cartoons, her head just goes poof, and her head explodes when she heard us say rub, rub, put rubbing alcohol on a feverish baby. Yeah, it's probably not good for feverish adults either. So if you have patients out there who, well, grandma said that this was the way that we did it back then, I get that, okay, but have evidence-based medicine now and rubbing alcohol is potentially deadly but also ineffective but but acetaminophen and ibuprofen are big pharma are you saying i should trust them (laughs) you know or there's nothing wrong with a nice lukewarm bath for your child just no rubbing alcohol well what if i just rub like a single malt whiskey on myself the next time i have a, a fever I want you to do that with the cream cheese in your, or with the uh, cream corn in your socks, too. Okay? <laughs> what am I making? A stew? <laughs> a, a Tommy stew. <laughs> it's Maker's Mark Tommy stew. Be the mm. greatest hit for the holiday season 2018. Who needs eggnog? I have sweat soaked socks of cream corn <laughs> and freshly squozen single malt liquor out of my underwear. <laughs>
Now, that's not an appetizing picture for everybody out there. Ooh. Oh, I know. So, right. okay, we're, we're coming towards the end. So, give me a verdict on the rubbing alcohol. Bullshit. So, let's do one last one. What do you say? One more? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. And and actually, I heard you say it, like somebody sent it in to us and you read it. I, I didn't see it. But something about cream of tartar? Yeah, I had a, a former student that was I precepted with send me this and said, hey, what about cream of tartar for migraines? And so I'm like, that's a new one. I've not really heard much about that. So I did some research and found that there's not much to it. You don't say. <laughs> I know. So cream of tartar can be used to make wonderful you know, meringues. I just imagine someone trying to go through Long John Silver's, like, I got me a headache. I need a 12-piece fish sandwich so I can rub this tartar sauce on my head. <laughs> yeah, see, I, I, yeah, I got nothing for that. So, you know, make some great meringues. You, uh, you can use it for homemade Play-Doh that's environmentally friendly. But for migraines, there's really not much to it. And what I actually read was a little bit more concerning was that a lot of what cream of tartar is, is potassium. And so if you're ingesting large amounts of this, you can actually give yourself hyperkalemia, which as we know, can cause cardiac arrhythmias. Not a problem for me. I drink eight ounces of water before I go to bed. Well, that might lower your potassium enough that you'd be okay (laughs) as long as you're not mixing it with the cream of tartar. Maybe the heart attack's caused by the 12-piece fish sandwich I just got, or a 12-piece fish meal I just got at Long John Silver's getting the tartar sauce. So I know they're not the same thing, people. I swear to God, don't send me an email or an Instagram message that says, cream of tartar is not the same as tartar sauce. I know, okay? And even if it is the same, I don't care. Either way, I'm not eating it. It looks like moldy glue. I'm not putting on any of my fish. I'm done with that. Where I found information as far as the risk for cream of tartar ingestion was actually the Journal of Medical Toxicology. Um, a 16-year-old had tried to use it as a laxative, which it, it can't be considered a uh, – it is considered a natural remedy, quote-unquote, for, for constipation. Um, but he ended up in the hospital with that. And then a uh, 32-year-old ingested approximately six tablespoons mixed in water. Again, to clean himself out. Four hours later, he developed diarrhea and then vomiting, and then his potassium went crazy and he ended up in the hospital. Just because you gave me a specific case study, I'm not going to, well, I'm going to try not to make a lot of fun of it. But, dear God, could you imagine your damn day? <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eat this because I'm, I'm backed up. And then literally a shitstorm follows after it. <laughs> Which apparently it does work as a laxative because, I mean, both of these <laughs> significant diarrhea with it. So so you went from constipated to shit yourself and then possibly cause heart arrhythmia <laughs> because you used tartar. So do you think that we can market like mom's lemon meringue pies a laxative? Well, that certainly would be a better flavor, I think. I mean, I've never taken a laxative, but, uh, I mean, I'm sure it's got to be brutal. Like, what what flavor do they have now? Uh, Concrete sidewalk and uh, chalkboard? I don't know. Like, that's what it looks like. Yeah, that is what it looks like. (laughs) So, cream of tartar for migraines. Final verdict. Bullshit. But... Cream of tartar for causing hyperkalemia and potential cardiac abnormalities? That's a fact. Yeah, because we didn't have that button enough. <laughs> yeah, we got to find a couple ways to slide that in there. So, Ben, one last time. Wait, before you do give, that, give us before you do that, Oh, what? I want you to do your last one because we're right at about an hour. We're going to edit it down, so it'll be fine. I, All right. Tell me this one, and I just, oh. Uh, yeah, you, you got to do it. Go ahead. Okay, so this actually uh, came up during a visit one time where I was asked by a nurse if they could give an IM injection in a specific arm because there was concern because that person had a tattoo there. I just want to make sure we're clear. Person was concerned about giving an IM injection in an arm with a tattoo in it. That That was the crux of the situation. That makes you wonder with all these people who have like full sleeve tattoos bilaterally, 
Where are we giving the drugs at? IO. I personally, every time I just go, give me a drill. We're going straight or, or uh, for my cute care brethren out there, brethren, sisterin. Is that what the word is, Ben? Sisterin? Sam, back check that for me. It actually is a real word. And Kyle, the engineer, is literally punching himself in the face trying to deal with how we're talking this uh, episode. But basically, uh, if I could do a uh, triple subclavian right away, and the doctor's like, hey, did you say triple subclavian for giving him some Toradol? I said yes. Or right into an IO. Either way, uh, clearly we can't do anything peripheral because they have bilateral tattoos. So, Tom, I'm judging by your tone of voice that, that there's probably not much to this, and what do you think? There isn't a lot to it, and to be fair, I laughed really hard when they asked me, so I didn't even really bother looking it up. I I don't know of any principle of medicine that says... Now, t- kernel of truth time, because we seem to be busting that out a lot. In fairness, I have multiple tattoos. Uh, ben, you got a couple, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so... In, in in fairness to the patient, if it's a brand new tattoo, you know, it's only like a couple of days old, you're right. I'd say, don't don't stick on there. Jesus Christ. Like, that thing is like a really bad sunburn. You don't want it poking around in there. So don't do that. But really, you know, you've had a tattoo for three years on your shoulder, and we need to give you an IM injection in your shoulder. You're getting the IM injection in your shoulder. And if you're concerned or if your MA or nurse is concerned about giving an injection... In a tattooed arm. I mean, you can certainly avoid the tattoo. You don't have to put the needle directly through the ink. There's, I'm assuming there's probably going to be some uh, skin space there. You know what assuming does? Yeah, it makes an ass out of you. Yeah, you and umption. That's what assumption is. So it's, it sure as hell ain't me. I'm never, hey, I may not always be right, but I'm never wrong. Okay, let's just get that fact out there right now. All right, so tattoos and I am injections. Give it to me. Alright, let's wrap this episode up, Tom, what do you think? I think it's time for a social media shout-out. If you want to reach out to us and tell us what we did wrong on this episode, or if you want to suggest future episodes, you can reach us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at Just Some Podcast. Or you can reach us on our website, www.justsomepodcast.com, email admin at Just Some Podcast. So, two things struck me while we're wrapping this up. First, I think maybe next time we should add an extra W in there just to see if people notice and they try and do www. That'd be kind of funny. Two, you know the guy that was uh, – speaking of viral videos and stuff like that, the guy that was homeless and he had like the golden voice and they found him the job. Yeah. Uh, I actually ran into him one time. I, I mean, like, we didn't hang out or anything. I was just, like, walking through this particular store, and I'm like, holy shit, you're that dude. And he was like, uh, thank you, and sounded exactly like the video, by the way. He sounds like that in real life. That's, like, not a, a camera trick. I wonder if I can go find that guy and maybe have him record something for us. What do you think? I say, hey, if you can do it, go for it. You can record our social media stuff, you know, the yeah Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Yeah, hey, I'm all for it. If you can find him, go for it. Or if there's somebody else out there that wants to record it for us that you got a much better voice than what Tom or I have, because, you know, we got voices for radio and the faces to match, so. (laughs) Yeah, I don't even have the voice for radio, to be completely fair, so. (laughs) No, but editing makes it sound really good, so. Oh, there you go. Well, uh, I had a great time, actually. I had, I actually, you know, like I said, I, I always have fun, but I feel more serious. Like, man, I am trying to put out quality information, whether it comes across that way, I don't know. But I'm trying to put out, you know, quality information so that nurse practitioners or, hell, anyone, anyone that's listening, and it doesn't have to be just, you know, advanced practitioners or PAs, anyone that's listening, I want them to get quality information. So I try and be a little more stern at times, but... Tonight was just about <laughs> what bullshit can we find and talk about? Yeah, and I think the, the my, my parting thought for this would be if you're a provider or in the medical profession, do some damn research before you share something. People look to you for your knowledge. People expect you to know, and so when you share that, they think that that's the damn gospel truth. Stop it! So what you're saying is... I can't just tell everyone to drink water tomorrow. 
and then that will prevent them from having heart attacks. You can do that <laughs> only if you have cream corn in your socks. And on that note... Oh, there'll be cream corn there, my friend. Cream corn, maybe stuff of some celery somewhere. I don't know. We're going to we're gonna get wild with this. Well, if that's the case, I want pictures so that we can throw it up on our Facebook page. <laughs> <laughs> but on that note, you know what? This has been a fun episode. I hope you reach out to us. Let us know what you think. Uh, but this has been. I'm going to sign off. Have a great week. Uh, everybody, uh, have a great day.